Hello, you people. This is another episode of Oh So Curious. We are four curious minds trying to tell time. I'm Andrew Frankel. With me, I've got Mags, Daniel, and Roland. It's going to be a good show. We are talking about Netflix because there's a lot happening with Netflix. I hope you didn't lose too much money this week if you're holding some of their stock. And uh, Nick Cage's massive talent. This was a pretty fun movie to watch. But before we get into that, How's everybody doing? Doing quite We're well. A couple thumbs, four thumbs up so far. Dan, that's six thumbs. I will put up two more. That is eight thumbs up. What's uh, what's going on, Mags? How's things in your corner of the world? Beautiful, sunny, warm, gorgeous. Well, I know it's nothing new for you because you're in um, you're in California. So. Yeah. It's hot. It's getting hot over here. Roland, how are you doing? Yeah. It's good. Tried a bidet for the first time. What? Okay. Guys, we're we're gonna start the sh- we're this is gonna we're gonna just sort of derail the show. Let you know about bidets. How was it? We have a good time. I was just gonna say it, move on with my life. Um it oh. it was cool. It was like it it was um it had great aim. And that's what I'm gonna say about that. Wow. Actually, you know one what? more thing. One more Please. thing. Please, as warm. many things as you I want. I don't know how they do the water, but it's it's warm. I <laughs> love <laughs> this show. <laughs> if you have anything to add about uh, bidets, your experience with bidets, comment below. We're you, you could be the comment of the week next Dan, week. I hope you are. I look forward to Dan. reading your comments. You killed Dan. Dan. The producer um, Dan. <laughs> This is uh yeah. <laughs> By the way, we are we are uh, we're streaming live on YouTube right now as well as Twitch. I believe the day today is our first day streaming on Twitter too. Is that right, Dan? Yeah. And Facebook. today we are on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, everywhere. We are everywhere. Look at that. Well, um, let's uh let's not tarry. Dan, what's happening on the show today? You want to give us a rundown? Yeah. Let me do just that. All right, so on today's show, we will kick things off with quick hits, as we usually do. Brian was generous enough to do that for us. Then we are talking all about massive talent. Um, Nick Cage, Nick Cage's massive talent. Moon Knight, we got episode five to talk about. Well, predictions. We will also review episode four. What did Andrew say? Nixon, 1995, three hours long. Um, And then last but not least, we will preview memory, Liam Neeson's memory. Um, Not his memory. You know, he's got a new movie coming out that's called Memory. And, okay, I don't want to make this joke, but there's also a couple of Bruce Willis movies. It's not a joke. It's, it's, there's a couple That's of Bruce Willis take. movies coming out. Never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I stopped myself. There's two Bruce Willis movies that we will preview. We will also preview uh, a movie. I kind of had a feeling where those were going. Be. Yeah. Sorry, I made Yikes. the connection and my brain was like, use it, use it, use it. And I was like, no, no, no. And you Honestly, just like, struggle with that. So. You just went for it. Yeah. Wow. Good thing Save we didn't do these live. That was really close. I you really should like to strip this out. So much Get Bruce Willis's name out your mouth. If I were in Connecticut, Connecticut, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would get up there and I would slap you. Anyway, that's the oh. show that's going to be unfolding before your very eyes. Um, should we get into it? Should we talk about Netflix? 
Oh, we got time to do well before that. Uh, We got to talk about Massive Talent. Didn't you guys just watch the rundown? I mean, listen to our podcast when you get a chance if you're not watching the show. Right. Listen. Oh, yeah. Apple, Spotify. Um, Quick hits. I think that's what we do first, right? That's what the rundown said. Um, Let's do the quick hits then. Let's see what's going on this week. Uh, Let's see what Ryan has to say. Seems like we need to be the only one with memory problems. Sorry. Um, Whoa. I say that, right, but then I always fired. find myself not having it ready to go. All right. Well, okay, in the meantime, the while you get that ready, let's let's address the tension happening on the show. Roland clearly has something to say to me. And again, if I were across the United States right now, I would slap you. <laughs> uh, C- can we go to quick hits no, now? I'm just- Oh, yeah, yeah okay. we're ready. Okay. We're ready. Oh, okay, okay. Let's Sorry. look at the no, quick okay. going right. on. Okay, I, I don't know what's so going on. Lost. Okay. All right, let's see what we got. All right, so the first Thor Love and Thunder trailer dropped out of nowhere. Nowhere. Long-haired Thor, our favorite Made of Rocks sidekick, Korg, Peter Quill, and the Guardians. Oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. The Asgardians of the galaxy slayed gods on alien planets and holy guns for days arms of mighty Thor. This te- this teaser trailer is awesome. It's, it's not. I don't know if it's awesome. Uh, I I don't I don't I honestly I don't know what I don't know what this is talking about. I'm just reading from a script, so I I, I don't know. So all I know is that. Uh, Natalie Portman is is uh, I think she's returning to uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy um, to be uh, Thor's love interest, which which interests me because uh, I mean I, I love Natalie Portman. I'm a big fan. Uh, so yeah, can't wait to see our first look at Christian Bale's Gore the God Butcher. That, sh- that sounds interesting. Should should be interesting. So we'll we'll see we'll see what uh, Christian Bale has to offer with that. Um, yeah, another news, uh, the Batman crossed 750 million at the worldwide box office and it's continuing to rake it in while it currently holds the title as the highest grossing movie of the year. Warner brothers dropped the movie on HBO max this week. I don't know if you guys saw, but it's now on HBO max. Uh, I haven't rewatched it yet. Uh, the only time I've seen it was, uh, the very first day it dropped in theaters um i liked it i thought it was a pretty solid movie uh definitely a different different perspective on batman for sure it's a much much darker movie of batman for sure um so yeah if you haven't been able to see it in theaters yet uh, now you can see it at home on your on your big screen tv hopefully you have a big screen tv uh if you don't then oh well go buy one uh, now for some real news of the week uh, family is coming back. Oh, God. I don't have friends. I got family. No, 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 not, not this again. No. Oh, geez. Vin Diesel announced that Fast X, Fast 10, the 10th movie in the Fast franchise has now started production. And why? Why has it started production? I, I don't know. I thought they were done with the Fast and Furious series, but apparently they're not. Uh, with new stars like Jason Momoa, uh, Daniela uh, Melchior, 
and Brie Larson joining the fray. Uh, Dom Toretto and his family will be back wreaking fast and furious havoc on our screen faster than you can say family. What's real is family. Yeah, so let's 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 put a cap on that. Uh, <laughs> in other news, Aaron Paul revealed this week that he asked former co-star and close friend Brian Cranston, uh, which I'm a fan of, a really big fan of both, um, to be the godfather of his newborn son. Oh, how sweet. Uh, the Breaking Bad duo have continued their long-standing friendship well beyond the end of the iconic series and will be reprising their roles in the final season of spinoff series Better Call Saul. Yeah, I need to catch up on my Better Call Saul. I uh, started watching it before, didn't get too deep into it, but definitely have to rewatch it and go through it. But yeah, you gotta love uh, Breaking Bad. Gotta love that series. Uh, and lastly, uh, The Northman is finally here. Now playing in theaters, Robert Eggers' latest outing is being called a, quote, bloody revenge epic and a, quote, breathtaking visual marvel. Starring Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, Ethan Hawke, and Anya Taylor-Joy, the Viking thriller is now certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes and off to a great start at the box office. Have you seen it yet? Because I, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. Actually, to be quite honest with you, I haven't. I've never even heard of it, so... Yeah, this this is my first time hearing about it. So, yeah, so those are the quick hits for this week. I hope you enjoyed them. And by the way, have you been watching uh, Moon Knight? On, I believe it's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so, yeah, four episodes, I believe, are in now. And, and wow, this, this show is absolutely bonkers. Um, yeah, oh so curious, our YouTube channel, we've been reviewing Moon Knight, and I hope you've been keeping up with us. Um, I need to catch up on that as well, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we've been reviewing every episode, and uh, just make sure to check out the episodes and check out our reviews of Moon Knight, and let us know if you're enjoying it thus far. But for now, I'm Brian Jennings. And those are your quick hits. I'll see you later. Check mic. Check, check. Check the mic. <clears throat> what do we got for this week? Let's see what's going down in your town. Are we ready? We gonna do this? Kind of like that. Hello everyone and welcome. Here are the quick hits for this week. Welcome. My name is Brian Jennings and here are the quick hits for this week. Oh, I love that. I miss Brian. 
Right, Miss Boy. Well, that's some massive talent right there, I would say. Oh. Uh, some might say an unbearable weight of it. I don't know how Brian is able to manage the unbearable weight of his massive talent, which brings us to our next part of the show, reviewing the Nick Cage movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Did you guys see it? I did. Max, did you see it? I have not, no. You haven't That's seen it? Oh. At. No. So just, so just, just us. Just, <laughs> just, just me and you. Roland. That was the deal. I'm pretty sure that's where we agreed. I thought we... But I will be, I I will be looking. Try to sell it to me. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, uh, first of all, right. let's let's start basic. Rolling thumbs up, thumbs down. What do you think? Uh. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and second that. Yeah. Good, good movie. I think we're kind of seeing a trend here of movies that are straying away from being just one thing. Last week we covered yeah. everything, everywhere, all at once that was everything all at once. This movie takes a really different tack with that. And basically it's super self-aware. Nick Cage plays himself. And every time they discuss what kind of movie it is, the type of movie it is changes. And it's, it's a, I think it's just interesting. Maybe. Why don't, yeah. you, why don't you tell me, why don't you take me back to the beginning? So, basic just summary, it's about... Uh, Welcome back. Sorry about that. Okay, we had a bit of technical difficulties there, but Roland, you were saying that... It's still, it looks a little frozen on my screen. I don't know if anybody else is getting that. Same. Let's take a look. Oh, I'll fix that. Give me a second. Yeah, oh, you're, you're good. Asking. Okay. Uh, where, where was I? I'm so sorry, guys. We're so, talking about, uh, massive talent. And yeah. this is, we have a bit of a bromance blooming here where Nick Cage is meeting his biggest fan ever. And Nick Cage is thinking he's going to quit acting. And one of the scenes that I loved, um, is where they're, he's telling him you can't quit, but instead of just trying to convince him, he's he starts imagining that they're in a movie and he forces Nick Cage to act and he, he gets him to recognize his love for the art and he's like bringing his hero back to life and they're able to recognize in each other something that's been missing in every other part of their lives and it's like a real movie about friendship and how you can find undiscovered friendship and that's Pedro but Pascal, right? That is Pedro yeah. Pascal. And he's, wow. he's wonderful. And yeah. so, Roland, you were making the point that right after the scene, they start talking about making a movie. And yeah. go ahead with that. It, uh, they, one of the major things that they grow this friendship on if is, is talking about movies, mm -hmm. which is something mm -hmm. that Nick Cage can't do with his daughter, which is a big theme in the movie. But they start talking about movies and they're like, hey, you know, I, we should make a movie together. And so they have these movie ideas and throughout the rest of the movie that, you know, every time they get a new idea, the movie that we're watching changes to the idea. Yeah. And a very interesting, it's, it's such a, I hate to say this, but cute, subtle version of meta 
you know, yeah. that well, that's, that's, that's what I really liked about it is it wasn't, it wasn't self-aware in a very typical sense because Nick yeah. Cage's character, he always, he's always living in the reality of the movie that doesn't change. And to contrast that with something like everything everywhere all at once, like every scene has a certain feeling. They break the fourth wall. They do all this, but where the continuity is never broken in this. Mm. They just address like, well, this movie might be a little, you know, let's, let's introduce a hostage situation. And he's like, why? And it's like, I don't know. We're just kind of, and the movie that they're conceptualizing is the movie we're watching, which is, mm-hmm. I love. So uh, hmm. you, you mentioned Nick Cage, like, and his financial struggles. So yeah. I, I'm, I actually had no idea. So and I'm guessing it's based on real life. So what's the story there that Nick Cage? Yeah. It sounds like I've been living under the rock, but like what under the to rock. Nick Cage? <laughs> <laughs> so that was another thing. There was like so many funny uh like references to all the other Nick Cage movies. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. Uh the whole it's it's very funny because the whole like, oh, it's actually Nick Cage comes from a lot of actual Nick Cage. Nick Cage went through a lot of um financial troubles uh very early in his careers i think late 90s mm. if um wow. okay and you know a lot of it's just like spending crazy things like there's the famous story of him having a two-headed snake and this and that and wow. he basically that's why the running joke is that you know nick cage won't say no to a movie because he was in debt so he had to you know do this work yes. so that's where the whole concept of you know, I'm not doing this to be a superstar. I'm doing this for the art comes in. And so it's like a redemption film for him. Oh, yeah. And I'll be honest, I walked out of the theater a much bigger fan of Nick Cage. Oh, yeah. He laughs, he laughs at himself, but he's not he's not degrading himself or debasing himself. Yeah. Um, the way some of these other movies have, you know, these self-aware movies can. Yeah. It's just it. the movie's got heart. It's got self-awareness, but it's yeah. not it's not drenched in irony. It's, it's a unique film and I would recommend you see it. I liked it. There is one uh, thing that kept popping up and it's in the trailer. So it's not really that big of a spoiler, but mm-hmm. Nikki. Yes. I love that. That device. was so, There's a, which is something that I sadly related to, but he, um, it was like his own conscious he was talking to, and it was a young version of Nicolas Cage. I think yeah, it, they de-age him, they give him his old hair back. They yeah. really like he's talking to this younger version of himself that is his ego. Yeah. And no, yeah. it's like that's wow. the guy. Yeah. And Nikki is the character name, but like he's the one who's who pushes him to like incredible feats of narcissism in yeah. the movie. But again, like he deals with it in such a human way and that's that's the most ridiculous it gets and meanwhile the the real Nicolas Cage doesn't he doesn't break and you believe everything that you're seeing yeah it's 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 like it goes again with like this whole superstar thing and it's it's pretty much like his pride his ego that's like saying Cause when you get to that career, how I saw it, this is my opinion, but like when you get to that level of career, it's so easy for you to be thinking like, oh, you're hot stuff. You're, you're this and that you're a superstar. Right. It's not about being an actor or about the art anymore. It's about being a superstar. 
And that's what I kind of saw it as like that, that tight rope that Nick Cage felt like he's been kind of on for the longest time, but, and you kind of see it with the, the quote unquote real Nick Cage, because at first he's very um, arrogant, you know, very self-centered, but the more Mm -hmm. you see him, the more he like, he loosens up and he becomes more of a person. If that makes mm. sense. Andrew, would you agree? Yeah, no. And I just love how far it went in some aspects and then how it addresses that they're not going to go so far in other aspects. You know, like yeah. Yeah. they actually jump off a cliff. They talk about having a big drug scene in the movie with a bunch of corny effects. And they're like, you don't need a bunch of corny effects. It was a wonderful thing where it's like, yeah, the acting is going to do all of that and yeah okay so question so hmm. isn't it different i mean is it not isn't it like just very interesting how it's literally one week later after everything everywhere all at once we're seeing another self-aware film do you guys think this is a new trend well are we you know what are we gonna see more films like this because they're clearly working because it's something new right Something you know, you it's funny. Seen. It's funny that you should that you should say that that's the trend. And I agree. Like there are similarities in that, like self awareness. But self awareness has been a trend in comedy, in TV. It's been around. The thing that I'm noticing in these is the the recognition that audiences need heart. I'm yeah. seeing genuine heart in movies again that I haven't seen for years. And I left the theater both times feeling happier, feeling like there was a bit more movie magic, which I hadn't seen. We've got plenty of self-awareness in Marvel movies um, and jokes that are for the audience that are just, you know, like we're in a movie or it's, you know, it's, this wasn't cheap self-awareness. This is producers and directors saying, we're aware that we've been self-aware and they're actually correcting and trying to bring some heart and movie magic back to movies. That's what I'm seeing. And I like that. Wow. I think it's a good thing. It's giving me hope. I will say somebody sent me a meme of like, it was like, wow, you know, unbearable weight of massive talent and everything everywhere all at once. I love this trend of fiction where parents would apologize about their mistakes. <laughs> Which is something it's. Yeah. We're also also. Maybe this is also just a coincidence, but super long titles, you know? Yeah. Everything, everywhere, all at once, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Like these are things, maybe it's a signal to audiences saying like, if you can get through the sentence and it, and you can remember yeah. this, this is you, this is yeah. us letting you know, this is going to be something that makes you think like, it's a full, complete thought. I like those like things. Like the Birdman guys. Do you remember? But Birdman? It, it, in, it, in the end, it was just a Birdman, but it was unbourbon and what was it what was it was like the, unexpected, the unexpected virtue, virtue of, of what was it ignorance ignorance yes yeah and then there's also that Kristen bell movie where it was like the house across the streets next door to an open window right like, yeah i'm talking wow. about yeah that was the netflix i didn't see that and i don't know if it... oh yeah but but it's a phrase well done but we are seeing we are seeing longer yeah. titles uh yeah. just as like the next zag in the zigzag of trends. I the wonder Birdman what... was, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 continue. I was just gonna say that the Birdman was something that was also quite different 
and it was yeah. like a nod to a cinema. So yeah, yeah. it was another self-aware one where uh, you had um, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name now. Batman <laughs> and Birdman. Uh, Michael uh, Keaton. Michael Keaton. Thank you. You know, he was addressing his own Batman fame in that. Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. and is playing a sort of version of himself you know I think I think and this may end up tying into what we say about Netflix and about streaming and everything is like there's been a lot of trends lately about um, basically denying our humanity and trying to mm. be something more and there's so much fakeness in our lives whether it be presenting ourselves on social media or um you know, trying to be a celebrity or a superstar or trying to change what we are, there seems to be a shift toward humanity and, you know, kind of breaking out of this last 10 years of hypermedia. That's my feeling yeah. anyway. Um, but I think bottom line, you should see this movie. It's a good one. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I will. You guys sold me. So. Sold it yeah, to me. Plan. Not sold me. <laughs> good job. Well, yeah, excited to see where what's next. I wonder what what another like the self-aware film we're going to watch. Yeah, I, I, I think we're going to see some more. But in the meantime, right before we tell you about what's been going on with Moon Knight, and I got to say this was, I haven't been enjoying it up until this point, but I started to. Um, before we get to our review of this week's episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and tell all your friends about Oh So Curious. We're here every Sunday, live streaming and available throughout the week with updates on things going on in pop culture and the way entertainment industry is shifting. So give us a like, give us a subscribe, drop a comment, try to be the number one comment for next week. Um, and now I think we're going to take a look at... Moon Knight, episode four. Best episode of Moon Knight so far. Wow. I mean, really. Um, this was, this was... It was an episode. I liked it. I don't know. It was kind of giving me like Legion vibes. The best one so far. I um, very informative. Interesting. It was visually really something to, something to see, something to watch. I enjoyed the visuals of Egypt. Uh, there's a lot of characters going around. The description of the Eye of Horus, a little bit of education thrown in there. Wow, that was great. But beyond that, we get to actually see what's going on with the mental disorder here, the dissociative identity disorder. It's cool. I like this. I, I hope they kind of stay in this world for another episode longer. I want to know more about Mark. I really like the whole explanation of dissociative identity disorder, the actual the quote-unquote hospital scene. We end up in, whoo, spoiler, a mental hospital, and we don't know what's going on, but we are seeing the psychotic break visually represented as half of a uh, psych, psych ward and half an Egyptian tune. Everything's very white and clean, but the realities are bleeding together. I want to know, like, why does he have DID? Why, like, what happened with his parents? Are we going to see what happened to him when he died? Spoilers. If it was very clever and no one see 
no one saw, saw that one coming so it was very exciting to see something new and then obviously ending with Taure who's yeah it's awesome that they featured another god. I know Layla it was very hinted at that she's going to be a character named Scarlet Scarab which is a villain Moon Knight has come across many a times. Excited to see where it goes, how they pick up the, how Tara is going to help them, how they're going to pick up the story. And there's there's a lot of mentions like there's like a thimble on her pinky when we see her in the uh, institute, and you know of course being called Scarab and this and that and also her name. Her name is actually the like the name of the original Scarlet Scarab. There's a lot going on. And, you know, it's uh, finally unpredictable and new and different um, in a way that I really haven't seen before. And of course, Jake Lockley will finally get to start to see maybe his third personality. It'll be fun. I don't know. Per usual, I'm waiting to see where the show goes. My review? I'm officially compelled to see what happens next. Okay, so this was a this was a good episode. Uh, I think that was pretty much unanimous for us who watched it. And um, now I just want to take a little bit of time to ask, like, do you have any predictions for what's going to happen next? Dan, we haven't heard from you in a bit. What's what's what are you thinking about Moon Knight at this point? Uh, okay, so I went into episode four with some level of idea that they were going to sort of try to flip the tables on us and, and tell us that everything we've been watching so far isn't exactly real. So mm. I sort of saw that coming where I think a lot of people probably didn't because, you know, if you if you are not either familiar with the Moon Knight comics or you haven't kind of looked up the comics since watching the starting to watch the show, there's a lot of comic book precedents to what's going on in the story. So to that end for for me it just you know it was one of those things where i saw it coming but it was fun nonetheless because i love like sci-fi shows that sort of go in this direction like stargate used to do it all the time and some yeah. of the best episodes there's like there's other examples too i'm sure but i'm excited i, I the blue hippo is what gets me i don't know about you guys yeah <laughs> i i was i'm a sucker for psychological thrillers and stories that make you guess what's real um yeah. and you know, I think before this episode, we were seeing a lot of like breaks in reality. And it's just from the outside, that just makes him feel crazy. But when you can be just as unsure as the character you're watching as to what's real, that's that's compelling to me. And I think they did a really good job of introducing that. The portrayal of like, like the portrayal of mental health. It's yeah. so always interesting like it's so fascinating how films get to do it because it's so different for each of us and I remember you kept saying the whole time how you wish to see the other side and when that happened I was so happy essentially for you Andrew because you were like yes he will finally like it and yeah yeah it was the hospital it was very clever, very, very clever. See? I know, I, I mean, we're already past spoilers at this point, but the fact that mm. he's watching the tape and he's playing the character of like this 90s VHS uh, straight to video movie of an explorer who's, you know, in the Andes, um, 
and even the production on that it was like yeah this feels like a 1990s straight to video movie mm. i was really into that um so i don't know i don't know why so much was missing for me in the other episodes but they really raised the bar and you know <laughs> if you funny. if we look at some of these um it's cool to see double uh double oscar isaacs as well mm. but in the in the actual hospital, we start seeing like these this, the white walls, but then you look closely and there's these Egyptian bricks that have been painted uh, the same shade of white. And we start seeing more and more Egyptian stuff until we get Blue Hippo right at the end there, which I, you know what, when my jaw actually dropped and I was like, yeah, okay, I'm into it. And I went straight to recording the review. I was like, okay, this is a good one. Hmm. Actually, was like, about you. That was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, was not expecting that. No, but um, what do you guys think is next? You know, do you think that the let's start with the hospital? Do you think that that's real? Oh, uh, no, not at all. I no. kind of saw it as um, like it's you know, it's it's like weird version of his brain like his mindscape you know i think he's kind of cracking down on his own mental health so he thinks that's maybe where he belongs i don't know but i do i really want to see more about you know how long he's had these type of breaks like how long has he had did why does he have did um see more about uh, the origins of um you know how he became moon knight and uh Layla's Layla's father is it Layla am I crazy yeah Layla I mean yeah you also mentioned yeah. in your review for, for episode four and I'm I was because this is something that I I don't know I might have grazed across but never paid attention to it was the fact that Layla's character has like a comic book background where it's yeah it's, there's a lot more to her than what we have seen so far yeah can, I can tell me about I'm that. struggling to care for her I agree as, bad as it sounds yeah. I think they really try to you know, make her romantic interest, but you just don't feel it. Okay, also, and, and let's, to, yeah. <laughs> can we talk about the, the weird love triangle that's happening between yeah. two of his personalities? Mm. You know, oh, it's right. like, yeah, well, first mm. of all, like, let's talk about the geometry because it's not really a triangle, is it? It's like a, it's like an infinity oh. symbol or something. I don't something know, like a that. teardrop, but like, it's, it's, <laughs> Who does she love? Is she just is she just attracted to the guy? She just likes Oscar Isaac at the end of the day. I mean, she says yeah. like you smell like him, but but why wouldn't you, right? Like when she's talking to Stephen and uh, it's or she's yeah she's talking to Stephen and talking about Mark, right? That'd be crazy if you smelled different based on what personality. You <laughs> I'm like Oscar Isaac is a good actor, right? Great actor, yeah. but I don't think yeah. he can change that much. You know? Yeah, that's it. I just yeah. I really I've, yeah. I was going to mention, if you just look at this picture again, like I keep throwing it up, just just look at, I mean, there's so many things. There's, you can see there's a difference in hairstyle, right? Yeah. There's just the way their their stance, the way they're, that they're standing and how like his, what they're wearing and, and, and just the, 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 the facial expressions and Pretty in ev almost characters. every which way, I feel mm -hmm. like he works so hard. Um, I'm sure he had coaches and, and whatnot, but 
the, the the commitment to playing these characters so differently i mean we have yeah. seen in, in a lot of movies and tv shows examples of this where one actor is playing multiple roles but Split. and for example that's a good one it, yeah. the flash is another one that's going to be it's going to be coming out next year ezra miller if he ever gets out of the trouble that he's in hopefully mm. that movie will come out and he's meant to play like two or three characters in that but, but like you could see that's a trope in hollywood but yeah and all of those occasions i've almost never come across an example where you see one actor do it as well as Oscar Isaac does it here. Like, yeah. and then doing it well in the sense, so, so subtle, it's you're never taken out of the story. Cause, and you're never like asking yourself the question or you're reminded of the fact that it's the same actor playing multiple roles. You just sort of go, go along with it because of how well it's done. I just, yeah. I'm fascinated by that. Not, you weren't into the nutty professor? That blew me away. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Norbit, <laughs> Norbit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I yeah. love I love seeing actors range, um, especially when you can compare them side by side, and we're we're getting to see that now in this, and it's it's become a better show. Um, can we talk about the scream as well, the final scream? Because that sure. was that was something I've never heard in my life, like that high pitched just fear. I mean, yeah. Because to be fair, how else would you react to when if you'd see a blue hippo in the um, like least expected moment? You guys keep yeah. saying blue hippo, but is it blue? I am I going crazy? I think it's blue. I think it's blue. Yeah, blue. Yeah. I mean, that's purple. what hippos look like. How many hippos have you I, seen? Online, sort of grayish. Dozen. I've I've seen them on like National Geographic and 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 BBC documentaries. I can't, I don't know. I just kept hearing like blue hippo, so I was like, "What's so?" I guess the scarab, uh, on her chest is blue. Mm. It is. So, yeah. I'll 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 work with that. Contextually blue. Max, yes. you know about you know about the god that this is portraying. So tell us about uh, there's a tau tauaret. How do you pronounce that? Tauret. Tauret. Yeah. yeah. So she's a. If I remember correctly, like she's a goddess of like femininity, and that's why it's so interested. Why is she there? And that that's something that goes against what Roland thinks is happening. Because if we were inside of his head, why is he seeing? Because I suppose, okay, I suppose Stephen is very fascinated about Egyptian mythology as well. He's massively into that, so perhaps he's projecting her into his brain but like at the same time why would you do that why this specific god i believe Someone there was a reference yeah. to her in the first episode because they were talking about there? like stuffed animals and hippos mm -hmm. were one of them you know it's interesting when we saw the other avatars in the pyramid um i think that was episode three i felt like that was kind of a cop-out for not showing us the gods and i really would yeah. have loved to see that that scene with the other Egyptian gods in their actual forms. Um, I saw this as kind of a hint that you're, we're going to see more. And that's exciting to me because yeah. I felt a little shortchanged. I got I just looked this up, by the way, I'm, as I was looking this up, I found some hilarious images from the episode. I'm just like that. Hi. Um, and then this, this scream, but the, the goddess, uh, uh, the, this Egyptian goddess, Tauret is uh, meant to be, it says she's the goddess of, childbirth and fertility and mm. so the yeah. the word taurat means she who is great or simply great one 
And mm. um, it's a common pacificatory ad address to dangerous deities. Pacificatory address? I guess that means so it's like a nice way to to call somebody who's dangerous, I suppose, whatever. I don't know how it ties into Moon Knight comic mythology, but uh, that's the Egyptian mythology for you. So, But why? Why in Stephen's head? You know? Yeah. Well, that's the question, right? That's know. episode five. I've got some other Is questions, Stephen right? So obviously, Huh? <laughs> Come again? Stephen pregnant. Uh, mm. Well, we've perhaps seen... metaphorically, because Metaphor we've, they've introduced, they've introduced <laughs> other... Um, other personalities that have yet to manifest and yeah, so yeah. it could be a signal you know we were yeah. talking about teeth dreams so why not um it could be a metaphor for you know the birth of this next personality um that kind of thing there was a third personality i'm pretty sure we haven't seen yet because like yeah. and, and roland keeps pointing it out it's like jake lockley i think is one of like the cab driver personality yep. from the comics and like we saw in preview in the previous in the last episode episode three where like the guy who's stabbing and killing these other dudes is not obviously Mark or Steven because Mark and Steven are both like, you know, kind of bamboozled. Like what is happening here? Did you do this? Why'd you do this? You know? And, and, and then they, they leave one of those, um, Christophic sarcophagus like closed in that. That in the, was interesting to me too. Yeah. It's like, why yeah. did we open one, but not all of them? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, maybe, maybe there's even the more budget than for three Oscar Isaacs, you know? Yeah. You know? Um, I so will why say Alex, Alexander yeah. the Great sarcophagus. I thought that was very interesting because Clever. that that was actually yeah. history. That like, oh right, he was a yeah. pharaoh, completely mm. missed. And I think you Andrew mentioned that in your review that it was very informative. That yeah, not many series can actually do it. That they teaches us something that yeah we wouldn't normally think of or come. And across. that's a symbol that we see all over the place. It's kind of Horus, but nobody yeah. I didn't know it was even called the Eye of Horus, but the fact that he starts taking you through the five senses, I was like, that's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And it makes me yeah. really, and I've always liked Egyptian stuff um, and the mythology, but you know, that symbol has a lot of mystery to it. And I love that the eyebrow is what represents thought and emotion. And it's like, yeah, we really do convey a lot with our eyebrows, um, but that that's been part of, you know, human knowledge or even, um, it's even been in the lexicon of metaphors for people is for that right. long is super interesting. Um, and I think we got little peeks at that with the star maps and folding things together, but the fact that it comes yeah. together in a perfect five pointed star, I didn't love. Um, but the idea that there's a connection between the stars and ancient Egypt and even the construction of the pyramids, um, there's a lot you can read into this if you know about Egyptian mythology. If you don't, it's doing an interesting job of, well, I would even say a pretty good job of letting you know certain things that you otherwise would just pass right over. Sorry, yeah, no, I was, yeah. I muted myself there for a second. I just, That's I agree okay. with you. I think it's almost like if, it's it's a you damned if you do damned if you don't if you knew about all the egyptian mythology you would be your mind would be running crazy with all kinds of theories and if you don't you're still sort of like just trying to theorize what's coming next so i wanted to ask you guys just a couple of quick ones here before we finish sure. up episode five do we see Konshu come come coming back like do you, what do you think about that Not like yet. is Konshu gonna be back 
I feel like yeah. like they didn't. He's not gone. Gone. You know, you, there's there's just from a production standpoint. I I know that if you spend that much time animating a character, you're gonna try and get as much out of that as you can. So I think he'll be back. Yeah. Well, from a story standpoint, even I think I mean you know he's gone for an episode. I feel like they didn't really need him. They didn't. They, you didn't feel him missing. But maybe that I, was him in the sarcophagus that they maybe. didn't open. But I'm I'm of the mindset that they're probably not going to bring him back until the absolute last episode, until you absolutely need him to like. So maybe okay. So that leads me to my next question. So we, because Kanshu's not there, we also don't have Moon Knight like the suit mm-hmm. Moon like you know in the and this episode so if 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 Khonshu's not coming back next episode or if he is i mean do you think that coincides with the return of the suit or are they going to kind of separate it out and say hey maybe the power was within you the whole time steven mark or whoever and you don't necessarily need Khonshu to always be there like or, or are they going to like wait until Khonshu comes back to bring the suit back to uh... anybody it's complicated <laughs> it's complicated, it's complicated. As, yeah i've only read some of the comics i i you know i'm not too you know I'm, of course trying to keep up as much as i can um but it's it's complicated and uh take me off the solo screen that's all i'm gonna say no 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 put him back i want to hear what he has to say about this being comp yeah no but... <laughs> i uh I don't know. It's like it's an you know it's an avatar you know it's like it's 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 weird because you know he definitely gets powers from it, but at the same time like it's I'm... it's complicated. So next up we have what did Andrew say? Andrew, oh, it's a, I think this is a have, mutiny. I think you had something to say. So I uh, did. You guys made me watch a long movie. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Let's <laughs> see what I said about he it. Picked. Wait, 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 wait. I, we didn't make you. you. I mean, I mean, made decision. I made the decision. However, uh, I've seen like everything it. that you that you proposed. And Dan, I, as, as much as I enjoyed um, I don't know how many uh, Bollywood movies I have in me. But you know what, if they're really better than this one, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I thought this would be better. I'd never seen an Oliver Stone movie before. So, yeah. Let's see what I said. After Max struck out on two for two. I was so confident with that one, I didn't even get a backup. You won fair and square. I was asked to watch Oliver Stone's Nixon. I did. Nixon is a work of mostly historical fiction uh, that paints an American president as a sweaty, lip-biting, unlovable, even by his own mother and wife, liar. Uh, Someone who is born to be a liar is the message that we get about Richard Nixon. He lies to his mother about stealing and trying a cigarette to his wife about wanting to stay out of politics if it would make her happy. And of course, lying to the American people and trying to steal an election for himself. The film uses excerpts from the Watergate tapes and recreates those moments 
on screen. This is an interesting device for showing us what those conversations may have looked like, but for all of the imagination that went into recreating those moments, we use that as a stepping stone for other imagined conversations that were never recorded. We also get a picture of Nixon as stiff, religious, harshly conservative, um, and at times inhuman. There's a sort of running joke where we listen to conversations between him and his wife. Uh, he refers to her as Buddy over and over and over again. And this culminates in a scene where she seems to be offering to have sex with him, and he says, I don't need that, I'm not like JFK. And uh, it paints a picture of him as so repressed that he wouldn't even touch his own wife. Aside from that, uh, it is an all-star cast, which doesn't do anything for me. It doesn't do anything really for certainly the veracity of the film. Um, many of the performances are good. The film runs three hours and 11 minutes. And at the end of the day, I can think of better ways to spend a Monday. All right, Netflix. What's up with that? Netflix has been in the news lately because we're seeing a lot of weird moves. Their stock plummeted, if you were paying attention. And I will tell you, this is uh, we're. I think we're we're watching a brand struggle for air. Mm. You know, this is. Um, well, let's 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 talk about it. This is something that started out as a uh, as a subscription service for DVDs that you could rent, uh, which put Blockbuster out of business and Hollywood Video and the like. And then they were the first to introduce streaming movies um, with a paid subscription that was eight ninety nine a month. It was affordable. And then they started making their own series. They got me with Arrested Development when they brought that back for a fourth season. And mm -hmm. that was how a lot of us started paying for Netflix. Then they introduced the Netflix binge. They started making incredibly addictive content. Um, mm -hmm. But Mags, who, what, what does Netflix think they are? What is their content strategy? Um, and what do you think is the struggle they're, they're dealing with right now in terms of the stuff they make? So yeah you you sort of started it very nicely and i think we should start from in the past to kind of talk about present just to kind of sure. understand what's happening so netflix put years into like their battle with having streaming services being recognized and sort of you know accepted by um by um by the oh my goodness by the not community the industry the industry Jesus. okay and sure, public yeah. yes just because you'd ha they had to fight with traditional theater th theaters and their releases and stuff so for for streaming ser services to even land on the map mm -hmm. that was all thanks to netflix so let's not forget that's essentially we have everything else because of them they were pioneers and exactly yeah. because they 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 figured 
some things out, such as how to um, take movie stars or filmmakers or even whole genres like uh, romantic comedies or Westerns and turn them into success. Yeah. Just like finding those kind of special things. So as you already mentioned for you, it was Arrested Development. For me, mm -hmm. it was House of Cards. That one was- House of Cards was also good for a season. And exactly. it, it, this yeah. is what, for some reason, Netflix is losing money, it's losing subscribers, and yeah. it's, it's losing people's interest. What do you exactly. think is the story there? So, yeah, we had, but let me continue on the thing, because I think sure. Netflix deserved that. Netflix deserved a praise because we had Stranger Things, we had Dark, recently we had Bridgerton, all those mm -hmm. um, series were big. However, the problem is Netflix would actually have to release series like this, like Stranger Things or Dark or Airstar Development every single month in order for them to continue the growth. Right. They, they essentially put themselves into like on this unrealistic uh, pace that it's hard for them to keep the demand um, yeah, keep the, the, the demand satisfied, essentially. I want to ask you. they have, yeah? Sorry, I don't want to, I don't want to come across and interrupting, but mm -hmm. basic, I have a problem. Okay, so not a problem, but let me point something out here, right? So. How about we, I present everything and then you guys can rip it apart? Okay. Because I, 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 I have like this whole, it all makes sense, okay? And okay. I'm sure I'll, right. I probably right. answer your thing. There's it's some not going to be long. Here. Exactly. Right. There is, and there, it's going to all make sense. So um, what do we have left? We have uh, reality TV. We have children's entertainment. Yeah. But, you know, people are taking their businesses elsewhere. So the point, so what's happening? Um, we have a lot of series and things that are pretty much similar to one another. So just because one show works doesn't mean people will like the same stuff being repeated over and over just in different genres, different things. Um, that's why, you know, with already like a way overwhelming number of content on HBO Max or Disney Plax or, App or Apple TV, it's very, very difficult to keep um, an appeal. But yeah, we have Netflix known for, you know, pro having produced those amazing Oscar buzzworthy uh, gems like you know, they started with Roma, The Irishman, even Marriage Story was pretty good. Well, but here's my, if you here's think, my, so, but if, um, last point, last point. Okay. If they spend, you know, 200 million on Red Notice recently, and that has given us pretty much like no interest from the public. I mean, no, it was viewed, but it was uh, ripped apart by critics and by Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. And it is to this day, the most expensive film produced. And then we had Irishman being, you know, second closest, which was, um, it was like 150 million. But then we had Oscar winner this year, Coda, which only spent $10 million on their film, um, putting Netflix completely in their, in their closet, back in the closet. They, they've started wasting a lot of money because they stuck to their machine essentially which um started failing you cannot keep producing the same content over and over you need to start getting uh, original which as we discussed earlier with all the silverware films that's kind of becoming a trend but yeah i rest my case that's the content <laughs> 
Well, now. As, as long as we're talking about the content, you know, they've been trying to establish themselves as Oscar worthy movies, but they've fallen short a number of times. And I think they lost a lot of money on Don't Look Up. And this a huge amount of that budget went to getting Meryl Streep, Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Jonah Hill, you know, Jennifer Lawrence. By all rights, you know, incredible, incredible performers. Um, Adam McKay, a great writer and director, but it it didn't perform the way that they wanted it to. And you know, I think a lot of Netflix comp content um can leave a lot to be desired i know dan that was one of your criticisms wasn't it dan you're on mute sorry sorry okay <laughs> uh, okay here's my point so I, I go to netflix and and basically on most cases i spend unless I'm going with a very specific purpose for like a specific show for like, Hey, stranger things is out and I'll go and watch stranger things. But at any other time, which, you know, the majority of the time you're going on Netflix, you're like, okay, let's see what's there. Got to fill some time or like, yeah, you know, got to end the night, watch something. Right. And I just spend too much time trying to look for something to watch rather than yes. actually watching something. And it just, it's a paradox of choice. I think that's working against them. And that mm. ties into what I was trying to mention earlier was Mags, you said they need to put out so many things to compete with Disney Plus, but we were talking about, or like, you know, HBO Max or whatever, but we were talking about Moon Knight just a short while ago on the show. And Moon Knight is currently the only premium series that's running on Disney Plus. There's nothing else on that level. So, like, you see that once a week, and then you come back for the next episode the following Wednesday, right? Like, it's every week you get one. Halo no, on Paramount my point, Plus. My point was yeah. they have to um, put something as big as moon knight every well, month no, no no so okay so hold on so this is this is what i mean mm -hmm. right so bridgerton squid game what was the one about the chess player i'm forgetting the name of that queen's, queen's, gambit. queen's gambit queen's gambit stranger things um those are all shows that at the height of their like even even the um, um is the one is ozark on netflix or is that hulu yeah those yeah. Are, yeah, even those are like these are a lot of shows that are at the peak, like when they're out, like they're they're the shits like they're people are talking about it. Squid Game was the biggest show in the world for a little while. Right. But the problem mm -hmm. with Netflix is that when those shows are on, like they put that show all at once, like they either drop it in big chunks or they drop it in all at once. So what happens is people binge it. Then they talk about it for those couple of days that the show is out. And then after that, they forget about the show. So like Moon Knight yeah. is dropping episodes for six weeks in a row because they got six episodes. They're doing one a week. Whereas with Netflix, Bridgerton, whole season, boom, gone. You see it on Friday. By the Monday, most people have seen it. All the reviews are out. Everybody's talking about it. If you haven't seen it, you might have been spoiled by something. Or And then you just move on and you're waiting for the next thing. Whereas with 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 the other streaming services, they realize like if you if you just give it to him one episode at a time, maybe two episodes premiere, and then you you know it keeps it within the culture zeitgeist. And I think that's Netflix's problem. It's not their output or even the quality of output. It's their marketing and distribution strategy that really hurts them. Like that to me is the biggest thing. I don't know if that's necessarily their marketing's fault. That's I that's more distribution than anything. I, I do agree it's creating this binge culture that is not healthy whatsoever. But their marketing is actually pretty on point. They have so many different forms of marketing that they do. I mean, Twitter alone, they have at least 10 counts just for Netflix. All, you know, um, 
targeting different types of demographics, different types of target audience. And that's not even including all of the accounts they have for each individual show. You know, they're, exactly. they're post, they're reposting, um, you know, people's memes, their comments, this and that, you know, just ordinary people to make it yeah. kind of like, Hey, you know, maybe if we tweet We're about this, well, yeah. you know, to talk about the number of accounts, like Twitter marketing is really sketchy these days because companies will create fake accounts and boost with fake comments. Like, Oh, I love this show. I love the part when blah, blah, blah. And it's like yeah. written to be, you know, clickbait so that people end up like, Oh, a lot of people are talking about it. it's Netflix talking about Netflix or Twitter talking yeah. about Twitter or, you know, Pepsi talking about Pepsi or SNL talking about SNL. It's like, yeah. where, where, where are the real reviews? Where's the, where are the reviews that, you know, aren't favorable? Um, it'd be interesting if they highlighted those every once in a while, but I mean, from, but even then ahead. it's like with, with all the viral marketing or kind of thing to do it just, because they have so much stuff coming out, they simply can't give everything the kind of attention and money that like, for example, a Sony movie would get because they're like, this is the thing that we're putting out right now. But Netflix right. is always putting out the thing, but 10 of them, you know? So it's yeah. always, well, I guess maybe dollars. Maybe that's a that's one of the weak points in their marketing is that rather than marketing, you know, the movie, which for Don't Look Up, that was an Oscar contender. They had to put it out in theaters for that to be the case. There were billboards for it. But the product that they are marketing is Netflix. And the product there is choice of anything you could possibly want, niche content, too many choices, an algorithm that will tell you, we know what you like and we're going to give it to you. And on top of mm -hmm. that, you know, this is Netflix is selling Netflix. It's always selling itself, not necessarily the content or a particular thing. And I think that's part of why it's so hard to choose. Um, when you get to that menu, you spend 20, 30 minutes just being like, no, 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 no. And by that point, I'm already into a different app. And I disagree about the comment about niche content though, Andrew, because that's the thing you're being recommended things that you can sort of relate to what you've already watched. And we all know people will always go for something familiar. There's very few people that go for something sure. experimental or provocative. So the niche content, I feel like it's being pushed to the, the backseat and it's hard for them to promote that, that kind of yeah. content. Yeah. Well, if we yeah. could, I'd like to just sort of pivot to, why this is an issue and other problems with the business strategy, because we are losing subscribers. That's what we're seeing there. And it's part of one of the ways that they want to remedy this is by getting rid of uh, people who share accounts across multiple households. And that to me is tone deafness to your audience. It's saying, listen, um, we, we, we need everybody to pay more. And this comes off the heels of like, they've raised their prices. They're going to mm -hmm. raise their price again. And now it's okay. Now you can't share. So we're going to try and get more people paying that same monthly, you know, 15, I think $21 is what's coming up next. Um, and we're getting the same quality for more, <laughs> for spending more on it. And, yeah. you know, to, to come from all the choices you could possibly want, $8.99, no ads, and then to go and say, you know what, we might actually, um, we might actually start introducing ads if you want to pay less. 
they're going back on everything that they presented they as their unique, yeah. you know, brand. And that's telling me that maybe this isn't a successful business model. One of the things that as an actor, um, you have to sort of deal with is that streaming presented new media contracts. New media was this sort of blanket term that they invented when streaming came out because they said, well, it's not television and there aren't ads. So we can't really say that it works like television. But if you're what an actor, new media contracts. New media contracts. Okay. So if you're an actor and your, your content runs on you know, Comedy Central and there are commercials, you get paid residuals because every time you distract people with your content, they get to see a bunch of ads. The advertisement is what gets you paid, you know, for your work time and time again. Mm-hmm. With Netflix, they notoriously had kind of this black box around like how many people were watching their content and they don't make their money from advertising. They make it from subscriptions. So if you have, you know, billions of people spending billions every month, that goes into producing your own content. But of course, you have celebrities who bring their own money to the table to produce their own stuff. As an actor right now, you put your content out there and you get sort of an, what's the word? <laughs> um, wow. You get totally like an upfront payment. I mean, Netflix doesn't well, really you get do profit a, sharing, you know? No, but yeah. you, you get... Um, a, an estimated um, residual, which is, yeah. we think this many people, but they don't actually Quite. give you the, they don't give you the real numbers. Mm. So we don't know how well anything on Netflix does in terms of the numbers. And that affects the number of people, get, you know, how much people get paid, that affects who comes back for a second season. But a lot of this is hype and people um, just buying into the hype. That's, I think right now we're seeing that they're losing more money than they're making and they're scrambling to to come up with ways to cover their losses. Right. So oh, I agree yeah. with you there. I'm sorry, Mag, you're going to say something? Mag, you're going to say No, something? go ahead. No, it's all right. <laughs> no, I was, I was just going to say it's, it is, it is that exactly their business model is something that was always sort of like a ticking clock, if you will, because... I'm sure they knew like eventually the this growth will slow down and I you know the the whole idea of every time it used to come up like hey Netflix says they'll never have ads Netflix says you know they will they will always drop shows all at once and stuff and I'm like look Stranger Things the the new season is coming out in two parts they're not dropping mm-hmm. it all at once because they know like it at, at least they can somewhat extend and it's sort of like managing expectation now because I think if they decided really? to all of a sudden I say, actually had no idea they, yeah, they they're doing part one at one time, wow. and then part two is going to come later, um, but rather than doing every episode all at once. So they're sort of like, I think they're tr- slowly dragging us to the weekly schedule because hmm. they don't want to just flip the switch. But also, they've been spending like 150% of what they make on content. And that's simply not sustainable because they've never, I think, throughout those 10 years that they weren't losing subscribers, they've never been in the black, they've always run in the red and they just constantly kept getting subscribers. They were expanding into new markets and everything. But what happened here- And pandemic happened. Come again? 
let's not forget about pandemic because when the pandemic hit that's when everyone's yeah. subscribers kind of went up yeah. yeah no absolutely i mean you look at the numbers right like in 2020 like they finally crossed the 20 sorry the 200 million mark and that's you could see a large majority of that is international markets so like it, it matters that they're expanding and they do have a lot a lot of regional content now but the problem i think they still have is a they have an unsustainable business model it's just it's business 101 you can't spend more than you're making you're never gonna like survive for too long unless somebody keeps pumping money and right now wall street is like starting to realize that ho 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 hold on you know here's the thing if, if their only source of revenue is subscriptions and those subscriptions stop growing, that means they have hit their ceiling and they can only go down from there. So therefore, the money is going to stop flowing. So you saw they lost billions. I think the number I saw was like 54 billion or something like that. Like they lost that much market value within like a day, the same, the, the day that they, I think it was Monday or Tuesday that they dropped their Q, quarter one results where that projected they were going to get like a growth of two something odd million subscribers and they lost 200,000. And now for quarter two, they're predicting they're going to lose another 2 million. And that to me says, okay, they had to realign their expectations internally. And now they're probably over projecting the loss numbers because the reason why they lost 200,000 is not because they just lost 200,000. They actually got a lot of new subscribers hundreds of thousands of new subscribers in different markets but overall the you know it was a net negative and uh, i think you're starting that now netflix is like okay 10 years of living in paradise is over now we have to get real and start to really figure out like how we're gonna how we're gonna hedge our bets so man you mentioned that they're getting into gaming you know sorry go well, ahead. yeah there's that well quickly i just wanted to say what's interesting about that move is that they're they're returning they're going back on their word, basically, is they're, they're saying, you know what, this business model doesn't work. We promised you a future where this, this was the future. And now we're going back to past models of, you know, monetizing content. And they're going back to weekly schedules, ads, and, you know, charging more and getting, you basically going back on the idea that you can share an account, uh, which is how a lot of people watch. Is Max, this go ahead, business... Though. I just got a question to you guys because you guys, I know you have more streaming services than I do, but like, is that business model similar to anything that's already out there, like Disney Plus or HBO Max? Everybody lets you share um, across households. It's the fact that they're suddenly saying that we can't is basically, to me, it signals like, hey, we're running out of money. We need, I know we've been lenient about this before. Could you please also pay? <laughs> if uh, if yeah. you're in a different house. And um, what about think, ads? Ads? Well, Hulu has ads, an ad tier. Mm -hmm. You can pay more if you don't want ads. Um, HBO is always advertising their other content um, before you watch any of their shows. Yeah. And, you know, Disney, Disney keeps growing. And, you know, they, they put their stuff out in theaters also. And they almost don't need uh, that just becomes the host for, you know, Marvel movies that's, once they've already yeah. left. That's theaters. their yeah. one direct to custom. That's their one direct to customer vertical, whereas everything else is sort of like, you know, their studio releasing movies and goes through uh, 
distribution and theatric theaters and whereas with disney plus they can reach their customers directly so it's but but like you said they're diversified like disney has parks like that's a big chunk of their revenue they have obviously the movie studio they do a lot of television like espn abc they got like a lot of television uh ip and and then they have disney plus like disney plus is only a part of the equation hbo max is the same warner media or now warner brothers discovery they have like 20 different things and HBO Max is one of those things. And like now we saw earlier this week, the CNN plus a month into its existence is going to be shut down. And because the new ownership, because the old ownership is what really launched it. The new ownership just took charge a week ago or a couple of weeks ago. And they're like, yeah, you know what? We don't need CNN plus. We need to simplify it for everybody. So we're going to roll discovery plus and CNN plus into HBO Max. And that's where they're going, but still it's one part of their overall business strategy. Disney even has Hulu. Like they have Hulu, Disney Plus. They have, they have ESPN Plus. They've got like, uh, they've hedged their bets. Apple and Amazon have money to burn, and it's it's like a they're they're it's kind of like if you follow European soccer and you see like one of those Middle Eastern uh, Gulf state uh, princes go and buy a football team, and then all they do is just pump money in, and they don't care about like whether the club is like making a profit. It's yeah. Amazon and Apple are like that. They're like this is a playground for them because they got so much money to spend they're doing a good job of strategy but they're obviously don't have the same concerns on netflix whereas netflix has sort of got the worst of it they don't have money to burn they don't have a diversified business model they're spending way more than they're making and so i feel like they don't Mm. have like a backup plan and that's probably the biggest thing that that's going to hurt them i pulled up this one graphic earlier i want to just put it up very quickly and just give me your thoughts on this because this is a projection of the market share Netflix has over the next few years. And you can see where they are now by far. I think by themselves, they're almost dwarfing everybody else. But then you can see how that's projected to go down. I think a lot of it has to do with that business strategy. I mean, what do you guys think about like just those other streaming services taking on a bigger chunk? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, Apple TV isn't represented on this at all. No, yeah, And from what I've seen, their content has been most consistently the highest quality. Um, I know based on Disney's recent controversy, a lot of people are canceling their subscriptions to Disney+. Plus. Um, I think part of that anger and animus is probably going to affect Netflix. And, you know, I, I think right now it's up in the air who the leader could be. Netflix has been a leader in streaming and this could mean that, you know, say that they do start charging people and cracking down on subscription sharing. Maybe that starts being something that every single um, platform does, or maybe the one that wins is the one that says, yeah, share. We got the best content. We're going to let you share. Hard to tell at this point. Yeah. I mean, to kind of, to kind of put a period on it for now though, I will say this they lost 200,000 subscribers. It's like 0.09% of their subscription base. They still have like three times almost the subscribers of Disney Plus, their closest competitor. And so they're still in a very advantageous position. I don't think this is like gloom and doom, the place is burning down bad, but it just means that this is a wake-up call, in my opinion at least, that Netflix needs to change the way it does it does business. Because otherwise, whereas now it's a wake-up call, tomorrow it may be bankruptcy. You know, like I think it's they have to change tact. 
Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I always, I wonder if this means a return to the traditional model, you know, or some kind of hybrid where you can subscribe to cable channels on TV. A package. Yeah. yeah. One of the, also one of the nice things about just traditional television was turning it on and discovering something that you weren't expecting mm. to see because it was on, you know, Pluto mm. is really good for that. Tubi. Um, We're going to talk Tubi. about a Bruce Willis Tubi movie later. <laughs> that sounds yeah. good. But yeah, it's, um, we might be ending uh, or exiting the streaming bubble right now. Yeah, there I mean, Peacock has live channels, and that's like a like I love to just put it on and wow. just let it run. And it's a that's streaming cool. service. Sorry, Max. Has there yeah. been a change in like leadership or like in um, management in, at the Netflix, or is there going to be? Do I don't think? think so. I mean, they've sort of they've had the same leadership for a while. I don't think that's changing much. It's. I think if they if if the next quarter like quarter two report comes out and then they continue to slide, especially if their projections come true and they lose two million subscribers, or anywhere close to it, I think then they're gonna start thinking about okay, you had three months to get your shit together and do something about it, and then they'll start to feel the pressure from the investors. But until then, I mean, there's still such a big. Like I said, there's still like 50% of the market, right? So they're still yeah. so big. It's it's going to take a lot longer for them to truly die out but um, or become like a secondary player because right now they're still like the, the David and everybody else. Sorry, they're still the Goliath and everybody else is David in the streaming market. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Interesting. Well, I think that brings us to the end of that. Um, I know Brian prepared an oh-so-memorable for Mr. Bob Saget. I think we should take a look at that. He was the original host of America's Funniest Home Videos. Welcome to America's Funniest Home Videos. I'm Bob Saget, but hey, enough about me. Kids? He was the voice of narrator Ted Mosby on How I Met Your Mother. Are we being punished for something? No. Yeah, is this gonna take a while? Yes. 25 years ago, before I was dad, I had this whole other life. Full house, now it's Fuller House. One day it's going to be Fullest House. He was also the stand-up comedian, known for his adult-oriented humor. I played here before and I had a good time. Got nine people pregnant, that's why I came back. I just want to just make some support payments, and that's the story of how I met your mother. But for most people, Bob Saget was best known for his role as the widowed father, Danny Tanner, on Full House. For someone who could be seen as one of the most lovable TV fathers, Saget almost didn't get the part of Danny Tanner on what is widely regarded as one of the most popular sitcoms of the 1980s and 1990s. No, it was John Posey, best known for his long career of recurring roles on various TV series, who played Danny Tanner in the unaired pilot. Scheduling conflicts would prevent Saget from signing on to shoot the pilot early 1987, but as fate would have it, Saget's schedule later opened up and the rest is history. Saget played the role of Danny Tanner as the typical example of the uncool and not so hip dad on the show. Alright, let's rock and roll! <laughs> and of course, that always embarrassed his daughters. Maybe he wasn't as cool as Uncle Jesse. 
but he was truly the king of dad jokes. Am I the raddest, baddest dad a kid ever had? You were until you said that. Danny was usually a control freak. He expressed a mild form of OCD. And boy, did he love to clean. Each area of responsibility has been personally selected to reflect the strengths and abilities of each and every member of the cleaning crew. But he was also seen as sweet nature, as someone who cared deeply about his family, especially his daughters. I want to look like these models. Why? Because they're beautiful. Well, so are you. He was kind and genuine. I know exactly how you feel. And I know how much you girls miss your mother. And according to the show's creator and executive producer, Jeff Franklin, he was a hugger with a heart of gold. So it's no wonder why Franklin said that he wrote the role of Danny Tanner for his friend, Bob Saget, and even reprised his role as Danny Tanner on the sequel of Full House, Fuller House. I always need you. Steph, I am so proud of you. Thanks, Dad. Because everything you did for me. Saget passed away on January 9th in his sleep. He will forever be remembered. Okay, so this is something that's been every, on everybody's mind if they saw the Batman and ever saw the Dark Knight. Um, we wanted to take a little bit of time and compare the two of these because there were an astounding number of similarities, but there's also, you know, I think, uh, I don't know, what would you say is the reason we did this, Dan? You're a huge Dark Knight fan. It's his favorite film. Yeah, we well, it was it. my idea for the segment. Um, I'm going to take the credit because, or f to my detriment, if, if if that, because I went into the Batman when it came out in theaters and I watched it keeping, as I now realize, my Dark Knight glasses on because um, I was expecting the Batman to be or hoping for it to be as good, if not better, than the Dark Knight, right? And I was trying to draw parallels and stuff rather than looking at the Batman on its own uh, merits. And I sort of paid the price because I had a relatively bad experience watching the Batman. I think you guys might remember. Right. I ragged on the movie quite a bit. But then I it dropped on HBO Max this past week and I watched it again and, you know, without any preconceptions. And I think I had a much better time with it. However, I watched the Dark Knight and, I could still tell you I still like The Dark Knight better, but at the same time, I like The Batman for what it is. So that's the reason why I wanted to talk about this. And I guess I'm itching to hear what you guys think about that. I thought we were doing it because it was like two very realistic versions of Batman and kind of comparing it. Yeah. To, I guess everybody has their own opinion. It doesn't no, matter. I mean, I think it's, it's one versus the other. You can make yeah. any comparison you'd like. I think it's taken it in whatever direction you guys would like to take it. Well, has anybody 
uh, I rewatched some, I didn't rewatch all of the Batman, but I did rewatch some scenes. Uh, did you guys have like a different view on things? I, I mean, did you left rewatch the Batman. I, I rewatched The Dark Knight because I thought I still had a good idea of what the Batman was about. And I think it's what you guys said. I let it marinate in my head. Yeah. And yeah. I have a different impression, sure. You know, when I, when I saw The Batman, I hadn't seen The Dark Knight. And when I, when I watched it, I was really um, The Batman. When I watched that, I thought, uh, I just wasn't super compelled by it. Um, and when I did watch The Dark Knight this week, I loved it. I saw it and it was like, Yay. this is, this is, this, yeah, well, this is, this is a movie that Woo. really... I'm it, sorry. <laughs> Chris, Chris, Chris Nolan really, he honors all of the characters and we see a Gotham city that isn't a parody of a city. It's like everything is given the gravity and realism of an action movie and everything about Batman. It's not, it's not, um, it's not fantasy, you know? Mm. And I don't think you're going to beat Michael Caine and Morgan Freeman. I really don't think you're going to be. Um, what's his? Oh my gosh. Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger's Joker, but also Batman. I'm blanket. Why am I blanking today? Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Like yeah. he wow. was incredible. Everything was incredible in that. And I, I'm not huge into action sequences, but every sequence had a reason and a purpose, and everything that happened was you know, it was organic and it was grounded in reality. And I didn't feel like I was watching a movie so much. With the Batman, I felt like I was watching a bunch of kids play Batman. And it it just didn't have the same effect. I also think, you know, there's some direct shots that feel like they were taken straight out of the Dark Knight. I feel like some of the characterizations were taken yep. out of the Dark Knight and the voices and, you know, I think it's impossible not to try to compare them. And I think just the existence of the second one validates how good the Dark Knight really is. I'm going to just analysis. suggest this. This is, I don't know if you guys know about this, but if you've listened to the soundtrack, there's pieces of the soundtrack that are literally pulled from the Dark Knight trilogy. Like there's really? the part, there's a part where it's this like, uh, metronome kind of music that's picking up and it's like a beat and it's basically the same thing as Gotham's Reckoning from the Dark Knight Rises where Bane is like coming up yeah. and they get this taken over the city and in this movie they play it around the time where Catwoman and, and, and Batman are talking on the rooftop before they go and um, try to like in the third act before like she goes to try to kill Falcone um, spoiler alert but uh, um, so there's a lot of influences and I think a lot of the plot points are sort of follow this just similar speaking of yeah. music i strongly recommend you guys going to see hans Zimmer live if you mm. haven't so far yeah. the, the way like the dark night is being played live is just it's still to this day one of my most incredible experiences so wow. definitely make sure to get tickets for hans Zimmer live um yeah, yeah. but Roland. i'm so like no, go ahead really sorry, quickly, it's Andrew, can you like sort of understand me and Dan being feeling disappointed after we watch? And no, Roland, actually, you liked it, but like 
Do you remember we were so disappointed because we expect we were expecting something better than Dark Knight? So yeah, yeah. I mean, I was looking at that and I was just it's it was sort of a step backwards because we went from you know Michael Keaton Batman and uh, George Clooney, which was yeah sort of uh, an updated Adam West Batman, which is cartoony and light and campy, um, to super realistic, grounded in reality, Dark Knight trilogy. It felt like we went back into a genre type film, but again, it it was self-serious as opposed to grounded. And that's mm. that's the distinction I draw between the two. And I think if you were gonna do something stylistic, if you were gonna really make a statement and reinvent Batman, um, I would have preferred to see you go balls to the wall with something brand new. Also interesting that none of this, none of this discussion includes the Ben Affleck Batman, just yeah. to put that out there. He just kind of like went, well, came in, went in the middle there. Yeah. And Roland, what about you? You, you watched the Batman, right? Cause I honestly can't remember. Yeah. First of all, I like Ben Affleck Batman. I'm not going to get into it. I've been, <laughs> okay. I love it too. No judge. Warner Brothers was garbage. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> what are we talking about? Uh, yes, Batman, Dark Knight. I Yeah, so when I watched the Batman, I liked it. There was too many confusing things to me, like too many themes that were going in and out way too long. There was I had some problems with it. And then I watched the Dark Knight, the masterpiece, and it was ruined for me because of college humor. Oh, uh, yeah. If anybody remembers the Batman, yeah. where yeah. Pete Holmes oh. plays Batman, but that's all I could think about. Every time Christian Bale talked as Batman, and it ruined it. It's a great movie. Heath oh, Ledger was frightening. Man. He was calculating. Every time Christian Bale came up, I I could only see Pete Holmes. I mean, that's bad. but that's I, I feel crazy. like I blame it's you for that. That's not that's not the Batman's movie. fault because if you remember watching Batman Begins, even and he's like, "Swear to me," I'm like, "It's yeah." There's a no. It's it's it works for me. I mean, the voice. I, I here's the thing. Christopher Nolan has kind of taken a lot of criticism over the years with how he mixes audio in his movies and mm -hmm. dialogue is like often hard to hear with like even the Bane thing but like he's like I don't care if if, if if it's harder to hear but I want to realistically portray how Bane would sound if he was wearing yeah. that in real life and yeah. sometimes people are like it's to the detriment of you being able to understand what's happening in the movie yeah um, sometimes right. the dialogue doesn't doesn't inform what's happening though sometimes it's really just yeah. like Maybe sometimes garbled uh, dialogue is more the point than the dialogue itself. It makes exactly. it a little more imperfect and therefore a little yeah. more realistic. Okay, exactly. yeah. And sometimes yeah. Pe I feel like people miss that. Like a lot of times they're like, we need to understand every single word that's being said. I'm like, sometimes they, they don't. Like the filmmaker does this on purpose. They're like, you're meant to just get the gist of it. And that's enough for you to, to understand what's happening, you know? That's kind of like what we talked about in Coda. I mean, it's that that's one of those movies where you actually have to pay at attention because you can't just put it on in the background and expect to know the story as it plays out because a lot yeah. of it is signed in the movie. So, but but at the same time, there's parts of the movie where you're just like, I get it. I don't have to understand exactly what they're saying. Like if you turn the subtitles off, you can still understand what's going on. And yeah. with Christopher Nolan movies, I feel like sometimes that's the case. They're they're vis He's great at showing and not telling and i think in the batman as a good film as a good filmmaker should yeah you know yeah. um 
I think when we did watch Koi Milgia, I watched it without subtitles and I got a real sense because the action was so clear and the shots were very clear in their communication of what was going on. Um, that's maybe the problem with a noir Batman where it's like everything's dark and most of these are style shots. Um, one of the other things that I really liked about The Dark Knight in, in grounding it in realism, the Batmobile makes so much more sense as an yeah. armored car. It's like everything about it is just- And the yeah. scooter, right? Everything. How everything. cool was that? Versus that was my one of my favorite every, things. When they every, other Batman, every other Batmobile is <laughs> like, it's either like a really nice souped up, you know, latest model of something you can drive and it's a car advertisement, or it's a big cartoony, you know, thing with wings and like, but like we see that and it's like, yeah, he's going to ram through stuff in that. And it's, it's he's gonna, it's got to be bulletproof. It's yeah. It's watch it, the trilogy. You should I'm going to have to now. It's called the Tumblr. He's... Yeah. <laughs> the car Tumblr. Yeah. I wow. will say the dark Knight was Christopher Nolan did such a great job of making it realistic I mean, Gotham mm -hmm. itself felt like it was in Charlotte, which is the closest city towards me. It felt like a very real place. Yeah. And I think because of that, and you might guys might think I'm wrong for it, but I think it kind of takes away the character from Batman. Like it, yeah. it seems too real, but with the Batman, it was a very stylized, you know, the villains seemed to be kind of in on the joke. It was, it was dark <laughs> and gritty and I liked the emo Bruce. It was, you know- yeah. If we're thinking down to it, we're still rooting for a guy who's dressed like a bat jumping across. Exactly. The True. We have to have a little bit of, you know, self-aware craziness. Well, I well, think Knight the realism of The Dark Knight is what made it the great movie that it was. It's, you know, we could take Batman seriously. And for those years, we did. Like, that voice, that, the even the shots, everything is so... Um, Everything feels like it could be happening in the city right across the, mm. across the, for me, the valley. You know, it's, um, we are dragged into such um, parody in other Batmans. And, you know, even the, even the way that the city's, the geography makes sense. You yeah. know, you get a sense of how the city's put together in the Dark Knight. In everything else, Gotham feels like a green screen, or it feels like, like you know, well, a board game. They did a lot something. of stagecraft oh. and stuff in this, where they were just like LEDs with ILM, and they did a lot of the exteriors uh, rather than on but location so, in a studio. But going back to also what Roland said, so have you? Do you reckon it's exactly that we we kind of figured out why the Dark Knight works because Nolan decided to spend? Dan, do you always have to go like? <laughs> close up onto me can we go back to four boxes thank you so much appreciate okay. it um because he did focus on the details he essentially took away from right like christian bale the batman was not the center of the attention we had harvey dent we had uh the joker we had alfred we had morgan freeman we had so many little stories that mm -hmm. there was enough happening for us to take essentially um i forgot my favorite part my favorite our part. attention of batman but yeah what's your favorite part sonar 
the sonar with the cell phone Sonophone. signals. Like yeah. I, first mm. of all, one of my big problems with Batman is like, why does it matter? Why do bats matter at all? Because the original Batman was blind and was like supposed to be like a bat. And there's never really? like for just about every, yeah, this is why I can't like, I know why Spider-Man is Spider-Man. He was bitten by a spider. He acts like a right. spider. He crawls around. Batman could be wearing anything and there's really no reason for him to be a bat but with this afraid of bats who cares who that's like i'm afraid of clowns does that make me clown man no but it's it's like when you you could use sonar and suddenly he's operating like a bat and Mm. he's it was it was also such um clever science fiction that you know you can they explain the concept it is fiction it couldn't really happen that way but with somebody with bruce wayne's resources and the intelligence that would go into constructing something like that put that all together with the fact that it's hearkening back to the idea of a bat and how a bat mm-hmm. would find trouble or uh, you know escape it yeah I thought that was brilliant. That's Jonathan Nolan and and Chris Nolan at its best. They just both incredible. I don't know if you've seen Westworld. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you think about it, but that's like the the essentially attention to details when it comes about to storytelling. I think they really are masters of their craft. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, those Um, guys, that's the biggest part. That's the biggest thing about this movie that I, sorry, the bat, I should say the Batman that that bothered me, right? Because the Batman as a movie is one where whether it's like, look, okay, so it 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 takes creative liberties with a lot of stuff, like it realism. Yeah, the car is probably the most realistic Batmobile we've had since the '60s. Like it looks like a car that you could drive on the road. Whereas the Tumbler, even you know, they they could drive it. It was actually drivable, but it wasn't quite the same as you know what you saw in the Batman. It's like a muscle car, but yeah. But like the script, like this, the way the story was told, I felt like some of that was lacking. Like with the, with the Dark Knight, like you could tell, like there's the bat sonar. Like it's there's they they had such a finesse. Like they had such apt, like command of the script and and of the story. And then like you said, Mag, that's in the Dark Knight. Batman is 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 a, is is more than just one person trying to take down like you know trying to solve the issue of crime in gotham city he's part of a bigger system he's part of a city and you can like in the in the The in the batman they keep saying sorry yeah the spotlights of him yeah exactly yeah whereas in the batman they keep saying yeah the, the in the batman you can argue sure you can make an argument that the that gotham city is a character in the movie However, it's a character and and as much as like production design as anything else, it's not really when you go beyond production design and and the fact that Batman, it's like a physical obstacle for Batman in many cases. It's not a character anywhere beyond that. Whereas in in the Dark Knight, like the city is a character, not because it's just the buildings and the people like you see as like the guys and, you know, up to, leading up to the sequence where you have the the cop who's got one of his uh, loved ones in the hospital and you could see like uh, Gordon gets a message saying hey watch out for like ex cop whatever the name of the cop but is but here and, here's a counter argument that yeah. can actually explain so 
we we forget that the dark knight is part of a trilogy we had the first film to establish things that the batman only had you know nine, 90 minutes 120 minutes to to sort of establish yeah. we we did get to know the batman chris bale in the first one that's why we didn't need to spend awful amount of time on that whereas here yeah perhaps that is a that's something to consider in a favor of the batman yeah i could i could see that because it is it's sort of unfair to compare the second movie in a trilogy to the first i mean but hey look when the producer of the movie says we're trying to beat the dark knight even if they say it in jest did he say that yeah, Dylan Clark, who's like the producing partner for Matt Reeves on the movie, and he's like produced a lot of Matt Reeves movies. He's, he said damn. we're trying to like yeah. I don't know if he said it in jest, but he mentioned as much as like, hey, we're trying to outdo the Batman. Sorry, the Dark Knight, and it was a rallying cry for them, if not anything else. But uh, and and I'll be honest, I think on its own merits, this the Batman is a great movie. It is a great movie. It's it's very methodically paced and. I think if you go into it and ex not expecting anything else but what it gives you, it's a good film and it's something you can. The, the three hours go by pretty quickly. I didn't. I never. I've watched it twice, and I've never felt like it. It was too long, or it was. It was. You know. I disagree. At any point. There's Me so too. You know. Oh, really? I would. I would like. I would like. If there's going to be more. The Batman's. I think. I'd like them to go further. Lean harder into their style um, and establish its own voice. I'm, I'm not writing it off. I think that they could turn it into something really good. Um, but comparing these two, which, you know, you can't but help but style, do, especially when they, they put it in there, that they're gonna try to and style, beat it. Andrew, like, what do you mean by the style? Because they meant well, to be dark, dark, but didn't you think, I, I still think the Dark Knight was darker. Well, I mean, visually dark. Thematically, um, I, I think um, the Batman is darker visually. Sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, um, I think, I think the actual voice and the tone of the Batman wasn't as clear as the tone of the Dark Knight. Dark Knight lets you know right from the beginning, this is real life, you know, and these are real people. I I don't know exactly what I was watching in the batman it just felt like yeah we know batman um we're gonna treat this um you know he's younger in this one uh he goes to clubs there's catwoman there's there's there was a lot less cohesion in the batman i feel and with a grittier riddler um with paul dano playing him which again i want to give him a, a fair shot at really going full mm. riddler but we could have seen if you were going to take the step back into stylized, less realistic Batman, give us some wacky costumes, give us a little bit of character quirks, show us how this is going to be different than the Dark Knight. Don't try to recreate it. It was the Edward Cullen we never got. <laughs> <laughs> the darker one. Hey, by yeah. the way, guys, Sorry. All right, this shot reminds me of something, right? Like this shot, he's, I don't think we see the shot in the movie in the Dark Knight, but let's talk about mm -hmm. the Joker for a second. The, mm -hmm. the two, two, two uh, principal antagonists of each movie. 
Heath Ledger's Joker is iconic. Like, we know this. And there's yeah. a scene in the new movie, The Batman, where Riddler's sitting in the backseat and he's basically like, you know, he catches the, the DA and he, and he tapes him up and all that stuff. How did you feel about the performances of, like, the two antagonists in this movie? Like, what did you think about those guys? It's Well, the, yeah. originally, I, I just enjoyed Paul Dano. Um, but then having watched The Dark Knight, I was like, ah, some of this is taken from the Heath Ledger performance. Um, some of this interrogation is, like the yeah. live stream yeah and yeah, I, I you know? think if we're, if we're I don't know sometimes crazy just feels like a flavor that everybody knows and I I like to see nuance in insanity and Heath Ledger gave us something new and different I felt like we were getting a little bit of rehash with the performance um, I'd like to see more into the soft-spoken um the soft-spoken side of riddler that was what was compelling about him is this like yeah you know he's he's they yeah. kind of brand him as a as like an incel on one of those chat forums he's just like upset with everything and you know his his theories are quietly typed to his followers as opposed to yeah boldly projected and on a terrorist tape which is what we get mm. with Heath Ledger but can I ask you guys something ahead. just really quickly so Dan because I will never get a chance like this <laughs> what is the joke uh, the Dark Knight's Joker's actual story with the scars because he gives us multiple versions of the story how to how he got the scars what is the actual deal with that well there isn't one i don't think there is one himself so it's never answered in any shape or form i mean i didn't they do like a book version of it that christopher nolan approved or am i crazy for thinking that i don't i don't think so are you crazy i know insanity speaking to you i do know that they uh they released some information about the joker and said that um in the Dark Knight Rises, he just stays in Arkham the entire time mm. because they they were going to include Heath Ledger, but of course, due to yeah. circumstances, they they couldn't. But I I don't think they ever really reveal it. I always just kind of assume that it's um, him doing it to himself and then coming up with an explanation, uh, possibly not knowing, but also to kind of keep that suspense about himself. Right. Because, I mean, at the very first scene, you know, he's put this crew together, but they don't know what the Joker looks like. Brilliant. So another way of showing, like, he's never yeah. going to show his true self. And I have to say, like, that's the part where the Joker trumps every other card as far as comic book movie villains go. Even if Marvel fans will yeah. say Thanos, Thanos, every I'm like, look, you can't there's no villain that is yeah. as layered if not more layered than the lead protagonist or superhero of any comic book based movie ever because and heat ledger's character is the and his actions are the antithesis of what he preaches in every part of the movie and the brilliance behind like he is always the smartest guy in the room and yet he will convince you otherwise no matter what you say and he's very good at like convincing and that to didn't me is the conceit of a great the, villain. Go ahead. Didn't he lock himself in the room, Dan, also to like prep for this role? Or is that, was that just Well, like yeah, a, the method acting 
Yeah, I mean, he did. It's it's kind of controversial the whole concept of method acting in general, like whether it's actually real, it's working. There's people who have said like you know method acting is it's sort of an excuse for people to get away with whatever they want to get away with. But I mean, I don't mm-hmm. remember hearing any stories necessarily about Heath Ledger taking advantage of the, it's more recently you hear that about like Jared Leto. He method acted his way through Morbius apparently. And people were like, and, and the Joker, did he not? <laughs> yeah. the jo- Apparently. Yeah. He yeah. sent like some very bad, like yeah. presents to <laughs> cast members in the mail. And it was just some nasty stuff. And he was just like, Hey, I'm the Joker, you know, like, this, That's this is the thing. not from Jared, it's from the Joker. Everything, everything from the from the Dark Knight, which I think is it's like one of the undisputed best superhero movies that we've seen in the last couple of decades. It's because it doesn't try to be a superhero movie, but it's 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 the gold standard, and you can't help but see its influence in every single iteration of Batman since. It's gritty, but some people take the grittiness and make it too dark. And some people see the realism and make it, you know, a little too real. Um, That's where I think they went too far with um, the Riddler, you know. But this is, I'll say it again, it's the gold standard for for movies. And I think it's what other, (laughs) I think it's what other superhero movies have tried to be and to Mm. come up short. I'm so glad you agree. Andrew, like, you know, there's, it was, you're you're right to love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy because I was like, if Andrew comes at, comes into this and says, like, I don't know what the, what all the hub hub is about the dark night. No, no, no. No. And you know what? I, I, I avoided it for a long time because I was like, okay, it's clearly overhyped. I'm glad I waited this long to see it because I was totally sucked in by the yeah. opening sequence with the Joker and all of his henchmen. I was like, this is, yeah. it was fine. It wasn't, it wasn't spoon feeding you everything. I was keeping me guessing. It was compelling. It, yeah. it was weird. It was like, I was in Show, suspense from, yeah, yeah it was great. So yeah, I absolutely agree with you. It's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It's still to this day, I think one of, one of, if not the best opening sequence to not just a superhero movie, but one of the best to mm-hmm. any movie anywhere yeah. of all time it's it's yeah. literally i would put it up there with you give me an example and i'll say yes it's better than citizen kane starting <laughs> sequence or better than the goodfellas long shot or like whatever you want to you know put up against it i would i would say it's it's up there and it's, people try to recreate yeah. it i cannot think of films but i'm like every single time i see something familiar i'm like oh that's a dark knight ripper they've done it you yeah. can't beat it yeah they were I, first to open the film like that i think <laughs> My bottom line on this is if Christopher Nolan does do the Ace Ventura movie, I am so there. I would yes. love to see it. I <laughs> Let's really start like, petition. Totally on the same page as Jim Carrey here. Yeah, that would absolutely need to happen. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I think that's that. That's pretty much it for that. Let's move on to sports with Dan and Brian. I love how quick these things are, and I am not fast enough to like keep up with. Should I take? Should shows. I stall longer? Here we go. Just interrupt me. Just a nice close-up shot of old Andrew Frankel. By the way, while you're here, be sure to like and subscribe and comment and do all the other things. We're also curious. Are we ready I'm, I'm ready to go. You can just throw. And now here's sports with Dan and Brian. time for sports with Dan and Brian. 
So 49ers star receiver Debo Samuel wants out of San Fran. But the real question is, who's going to be traded first? Is it going to be Debo Samuel or quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo? I don't know, Daniel. But as a diehard Miami Dolphins fan, I think we already blew our load on Tyreek Hill. That's what cheetahs do to Lions. Daniel, the Jazz are currently down 2-1 to one in their series against the Doncic-less Mavs. And now they're mad at a Knicks exec for being courtside at their games. Look, I don't know who's more delusional, the Jazz thinking that they're actually a title contender, or the Knicks thinking they'll actually land a young star. It's a shame. First it was the Premier Golf League, and now several players are being courted by multi-million dollar contract offers to play in the Saudi-backed Super League. What is Phil Mickelson doing? Listen, the PGA Tour already warned its golfers that there's no coming back if they were to join this Super League. But hey, money talks, right? Show me the money. <laughs> Only a couple weeks into the new season, and Yankees fans are already so disillusioned that they're starting to throw things at opposing players. What can I say? They're Yankees fans. Is water wet? What a way to end a day. Wow, well I feel informed. All right, we're back. Okay, so this is that part of the show where we start talking about what other stuff is coming out. And uh, we got Liam Neeson's memory, corrective measures, and Fortress. These are two of Bruce Willis's probably last films coming out. Um, I don't know. Are we excited? Are we interested? I don't know anything about memory. So if you have any thoughts here, please let me know. <laughs> it's giving me um, Taken vibes, no? Yeah, Liam that's Nielsen what I thought should, was. should stop making those films. Yeah. What, what, is, what is memory? Uh, the summary is very long. Uh, so here it is. When Alex, an expert assassin, refuses to complete a job for a dangerous criminal organization, he becomes a target. FBI agents and Mexican intelligence are brought in to investigate the trail of bodies, leading them closer to Alex. With that crime syndicate and FBI in hot pursuit, Alex has the skills to stay ahead, except for one thing. He is struggling with severe memory loss. That's not funny. Oh, Sorry. Oh, gosh. Every move. Alex must question his every action and whom he can ultimately trust. So, <sighs> yeah. It's going to be like a new uh, memento. Mm. Momentum meets taken meets. You know what's funny? Week. Guy Pierce is actually in this movie. Yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. It's got a good cast. And guys, this memory is directed by Martin Campbell, and he directed a certain greatest James Bond movie of all time called Casino Royale. So, yeah. Sky and Ford. Green Lantern. Mm. <laughs> okay, I guess he's James Bond. Those are like two such opposite ends of the spectrum. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's got Monica Bellucci, Bellucci in it and Guy Pierce. It's it's a better cast than what most Liam Neeson movies have. So I have to say it's it excites me. I mean, I'm and it's the only movie I think out of the three that are on in theaters because I feel like Fortress Sniper's Eye, which is the well, there's two Bruce Willis movies um, and 
possibly the last of his career. Corrective Measures is on Tubi, so that's like we talked about Tubi. It's like a free streaming service, so I guess you can watch it there. Uh, it's got a, it's got a couple of recognizable faces in there. Uh, there's Michael Rooker from the Suicide Squad, and and probably more likely you'd know him from the Guardians of the Galaxy as Yondu. And then Fort, Fortress Sniper's Eye has got uh, Bruce Willis, obviously, but then Chad Michael Murray. That's the guy in the poster right there. Yeah, I'm sure if you've seen some uh, Lifetime movies, he's he's a big he used to do a lot of those. Um, I don't know who Jesse McCaff is, um, but yeah. It's it's okay. So I walked myself into this trap earlier. I'm not gonna do it again. But like we have Liam Neeson's movie that's all about you know a man who struggles with his memory, and then you have Bruce Willis, who this could be the last two movies of his career, and he's retired because of his aphasia diagnosis, which is all about basically memory loss and and struggling with that. So it's like an I don't know. Is it a coincidence? What would you call this? Like it's a unfortunate coincidence. It's 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 sort of hard to I don't know like it kind of limits maybe memory's marketing potential I, I'm I'm not I don't know you know what Dan you brought this up we'll let you uh we'll let you <laughs> you wanted to lump them together here you are I well it's not me you I mean get the a tight shot coming on, you, out on the same week it's yeah. I I I didn't let's cut to a tight shot on Dan please let's uh, cut to tight shot on Dan tight shot on Dan. It, you know, this is the benefit of actually being <laughs> under controls that you can't ever surprise me. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah. So what were you saying about it? <laughs> uh, you know what I was saying about it was that that these movies that, that they they may be a, they may be about memory, but I tell you what they're not about. What What's about? real? Oh my! It's family. <laughs> Thing that you did you did that that's the thing yeah. that i did again that's that's my escape clause that's how that's how i get that so so now we're pretending that nothing that happened before has happened and and change of topic what else are we talking about next week <laughs> next week i'd like to follow up more on it's like uh, i forgot what happened before that dom toretto clip you know so what yeah. are we talking about next week? it's like the men in black uh eraser yeah. <laughs> it's like it wiped my memory it's it's yeah it's, uh, Maybe yeah. Will Smith would like one now. Yeah, really. Sorry. Uh, well, I couldn't uh, resist. I, I did see that meme somewhere. on display. Savage. Yeah. There it is again. <laughs> ah. Ah. Guys. Well, Dan, I think uh, I'd like to see what else uh, falls out from all this Netflix stuff, CNN Plus, Disney Plus. Um, you know, I think we should be keeping track of all the developments in the streaming world. Um, I'm still interested in Elon Musk and the Twitter stuff, but who knows? Um, what do you people think we should cover next week? What other things are happening? What's exciting to you? Let us know in the comments and tell all your friends about Oh So Curious. We are uh, always curious to know what you people think. Yeah. And we're on social, guys. We're today we're streaming on Facebook and Inst well, Instagram. No, because I don't think Instagram does live. But we're on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch. You can go to our website, check out our podcast, mm -hmm. and we take all the parts of the show. And if you haven't had the chance to watch the full thing, or you don't care to sit around for two hours, even if you don't want to listen to the podcast, you can watch the show in chunks. And we will drop all the pieces throughout the week. So be sure to follow our YouTube channel, and you can see all of those elements there. Um, but yeah, that's Amen. I think that's gonna do it. Um, 
looking forward to next week. Um, yeah, memory. Um, sorry, I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna do it. Don't do it. Do it. Never mind. Don't do it. What a what a. I you know what guys, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Good show. I think we had a good show. It was nice. Yeah. We will see you next week, people watching. Stay curious. Goodbye. (laughs) Stay curious.